Welcome to A Drop in the Bucket with Tim and Lisa. Real discussions on aging well and doing it your way. We will be discussing all the things that may be on your bucket list and also those things that may be dropped into your bucket. Life is an adventure and the road ahead can be uncertain. Our hope is to open your mind to alternatives, new ideas and approaches to all things aging and to help you do it on your terms. Well, today, Tim, our subject is more along the lines of that drop in the bucket. One of those things that we don't want to deal with, but probably will have to at some point, and that is hospitalization. What happens when your loved one, yourself, an adult, a parent, needs to go into the hospital because of an episode or something that's happened to them, and you are in the position to now figure out what comes next? A lot of common scenarios and situations. There's For people that are listening in today, you yourself, maybe a loved one, a neighbor, family member have gone through that scenario and situation of having to go to the hospital for whatever reason, loved one having to go to the hospital, going throw into the kind of the healthcare system. What do we do? How long are we in the hospital for? And then when you're discharged, then you get a whole conundrum of different issues that come about. Do they go home? Do they go to a short-term rehab? They do go to a short-term rehab. How long are they going to be in short-term rehab? And then what's the next step from there? And I think that's kind of what we're looking to do today is kind of discuss some of the different situations, scenarios, and give people, I guess, empower people with options that they know. And the biggest word that I often use is being proactive. When right. You're proactive, then that shock doesn't happen. You know, I know we, we go through things our own lives and we have a lot of things come up, whether we have family responsibilities, we have work responsibilities, but you have to be proactive when it comes to the healthcare system. So hopefully we're going to give you some tools to be able to do that. Yeah. So a roadmap, navigating, navigating, navigating the inevitable, because if it doesn't happen today, chances are it will happen down the road. I think about my own situation with my mom and, and that's as close to home as I can get at this point. And the, the road that the road that we had to travel down with her till the end of her life. But it's a it's a common scenario. I work with so many families who are helping care for a parent or spouses who are trying to navigate it on their own. And it's it's really, really challenging. And COVID exacerbated that that situation and continues to make it confusing and more mm-hmm. difficult because we we haven't gotten rid of this crazy virus yet. No, so we so it is it is interesting. I think about first time my mom made it into the hospital and it was due to something with her skin. And one of the things that I didn't understand about the hospital and a stay in the hospital is that the difference between observation and being actually admitted. I don't think people know that there's a difference. People feel like once you get into a hospital room, you're admitted admitted into the hospital. So maybe you can kind of debunk that one. Sure. That's a, you know, I had the pleasure of being part of a group years ago. It was a group of basically healthcare professionals that we did some public talks to senior groups, senior centers, park districts, libraries about that issue. 
And a lot of times, you know, what, what we basically started off with when I, when I was in short-term rehab as a director of business development, we had a lot of the, as they called a Baker square pie, right? A lot of people like Baker square pie. We had a huge Baker square pie of Medicare dollars. You go 20 years, 25 years later, now we have a sliver of a piece of pie now for Medicare dollars, okay? So we have to maximize care in a short period of time to provide to that particular person needing the care. So one of the things that hospitals have done is to say, to make a determination, what is the person needing when they come in? What is their, what's the primary diagnosis? And with that diagnosis, does that qualify somebody to be admitted into the hospital? Maybe a situation of cardiac or stroke, or maybe it was a fall and a fracture. That's maybe a few things to say, well, they're going to be in the hospital at least for four or five days, maybe a week, maybe longer, who knows. But maybe somebody's coming in and, you know, you and I were talking earlier, whether it's uh, your mom or people that you know who might have a urinary tract infection coming in, and they may be in for 24, 48 hours, maybe in 72 hours. You think, well, they're in a hospital bed. They're up on the floor. Well, they should be admitted in. That's not necessarily the case. I, I've heard stories of people being in the hospital for upwards three, four, five days and not being admitted, still being under observation. So let me ask you, if they're not admitted yeah. and they're under observation, yeah. what does that mean as far as the hospital bill is concerned? Well, I'm not sure as far as the, I don't know if I could answer that honestly as far as the hospitals. What, what I can answer you is that that can be the determination what the next step of care is going to be, okay? If they're admitted and they're qualifying and needing something as far as short-term rehab, right? Back in the day, we used to call it nursing homes. Now we call it short-term rehab, short-term stays. If you're admitted and you have a cardiac or stroke or a fall and a fracture or something along the lines of that, then you're probably, and you're admitted, you find out, you have to ask. That's probably, the, let me let me go back for a minute on that. You want to ask, you know, a lot of times we'll ask the nurse, the nurse will defer to the doctor. I often say, ask who the case manager is. That's, if you can remember one or one or two words in this podcast, proactive case manager, the two words out there that I often uh. think about. Ask who is the case manager? And you want to ask them, is mom or dad or husband and wife or whoever it may be, are they admitted or are we under observation? Okay. First question. Yeah, that's probably a good one. You probably won't meet the case manager until about the day of discharge or the day before discharge. You okay. probably won't even know who they are any sooner than that. But they are a hospital employee. They are. They are. They are. Okay. And a hospital case manager is a hospital employee. Yeah. But when, once you, once you made the determination on if they're if they're under observation, chances are, well, you know, they're going to be requiring certainly follow up care, but it might not be as intense, for lack of a better term, than it would be somebody who's admitted. If they're admitted, then we're probably going to be looking at short term rehab stay. And and let's clarify for our listeners yeah. that we are talking about Medicare. So Medicare Correct. is sixty five and older. This is not about private pay insurance. This is about your Medicare dollars when mm -hmm. you are 65 and older. If you are under 65 and employed and have insurance, that's a whole different set of rules. Yeah. So we're really focused on 
that person who is is bringing in is is using their Medicare mm-hmm. their Medicare policy. Yeah. And and something else that a lot of people don't know, and this may be something that that you may not deal with a lot, Tim, but people don't know the difference between Medicare and Medicaid. So let me just say that Medicare is hospital. It is your health care. It is the benefits that pay for your health care after 65 years of age. Medicaid is state funding, and Medicaid is pays for your housing. It doesn't pay for your health care. It pays for helping subsidize housing and where you live if you do not have sufficient funds to do that on your own. So just want to separate that because a lot of times I get asked this question and people don't understand the difference between Medicaid and Medicare. So we're talking about Medicare today Mm -hmm. and health Mm -hmm. over 65. Yep. And we'll all face this, whether it's our own or our parents. You're going to run into this and need to know some things. And honestly, it changes all the time, doesn't it? It does. Every year, Medicaid has, or Medicare, excuse me, I already made that mistake. (laughs) Medicare has, they change the rules. They change the parameters. They have new allowances and ways that they do things. And you probably will learn that there are different Medicare policies. There's Medicare Advantage. There's a part. What are the parts? Tell us the parts of Medicare. So oh, my God. Parts A touch. and B. And I think there was, was it C or D that covers medications? I can't remember. Yep. Under, under Bush uh, W, I think, was either C or D that covers the medications. I'm so rusty on that. but And we're not going to really dig into that no. today. But just to know that, that maybe that's another, we'll do that on another show. Sure. We'll, we'll bring, bring somebody in. A, in. Yeah, <laughs> we'll bring in a specialist to talk to you about what what are the different parts of, of Medicare and what do they look like. But yeah. back, to, back to where we are, yeah. and this is hospital stays. So let's just say then that you have been admitted, right? Yeah. Someone has been admitted. And they're going to be in the hospital for a few days. Yeah. What comes next? Well, you know, they're going to come to you. Let's say they're there for, okay, they're admitted and they're there for four days, five days, could be upwards to a week. Anybody who has been hospitalized, you know, hopefully if you're listening, you have been hospitalized. But if you have been hospitalized or have a family member or loved one who has been uh, been hospitalized, Discharges come so much sooner. People are not in the hospitals nearly as long. People, even women that have babies now, are discharged far more sooner. So you have to think, okay, okay, they're admitted. The hospital, you know, you're going to be, you know, talking to the nurse. The nurse is going to be getting a lot of direction from the primary doctor. The doctors are going to come in when they're doing their rounds. Again, I would ask to talk to case manager. You find out if they're admitted. And you're going to find out and ask, what is the next step? Right now, has the doctor, have you set up a discharge plan for my husband, wife, whoever it may be? Is there a discharge plan yet? And if so, does that include short-term rehab? Okay. And then from there, if it is, let's say, let's go with a scenario. And I know you were talking, your mom had that experience on a few occasions. If they are saying, yes, they're going to require short-term rehab, chances are they're going to give you a list. Okay. Every hospital has a list of vendors, preferred vendors. Generally on that list, they're going to have three to four rehabs circled or identified, okay? 
And those are the three or four that they're going to be looking at to, to send your loved one to for short-term rehab. And you get to choose from that list, essentially, if there's a bed available or... Yeah, they're going to be... So the hospital's going to be reaching out. I mean, we can speak in terms of pre-COVID and kind of we're still in this COVID world that we're in now. Not as bad as it was, you know, what, a year ago or whatever it was. But we'll speak in still in this in this terms... You like to go out and tour. You like to go out and see the building. You want to see those facilities that are being considered. I'll co- I won't go too... Check how many stars they have. Yeah, well, there <laughs> you go. There you trigger. Look at the there. reviews, right? There's your trigger. Good for you for bringing that up. So, yes, there's the star ranking. If, if anybody likes to go on the internet and check medicare.gov, G-O-V, okay, and you can run a search. It's pretty easy. You can go down on the website. You can click find a nursing home, find a healthcare facility. I know they change it up every once in a while, but let's say we'll go with finding a nursing home. And yeah, you can put in your zip code and it'll give you a list of facilities, a number of them surrounding your zip code and further out. You can even have an, a range, 20 miles, 5 miles, 25 right, miles, right. whatever it may be. And yes, they give it star ratings, you know, star rankings. I'm mixed on the star rankings. If you're a four-star facility, you're going to blast it out to the world. And why wouldn't you, right? right? You would right. say we're a four-star ranking. Because there are really no five-star? Well, I don't know. Is it four-star <laughs> or five-star I don't know. I don't even know. I can't I even remember. Know. Well, yeah. let's just say four or five-star. Let's say the highest amount of stars is the rating. And you're going to be screaming to the rooftops. But sometimes... The facility rightfully deserves a four or five star rating. Sometimes that could be a short term rehab facility that is part of a continuing care retirement community. Okay. What they call a CCRC. We'll call them continuing care retirement community. And again, I won't get too deep in the weeds here, but it's, you know, they have independent living, assisted living, maybe memory care, all in this huge campus, right? And you have a short term rehab. A lot of those, you know, a lot of the patients coming to the short-term rehab could be their existing residents, okay, that are simply coming back because they were sick, they were ill, they had a urinary tract infection, maybe they had a fall, but it wasn't necessarily a, what they call is a high acuity, somebody that might, God forbid, require a trach or might require you know, a lot of high acuity care, nursing care, uh, maybe a respiratory therapist, maybe God forbid they're on dialysis. There's a lot of things to take under consideration with that. If they're only dealing with, you know, low acuity cases, people that don't require a heck of a lot of care, chances are you're going to get us higher star rating. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. I'll I'll interject and say that I know when my mom ended up in rehab. Yeah. The rating was really low at the community that she ended up at, but for rehab for, for, well, you know, I wasn't really looking at it as just rehab because it was a skilled nursing facility. So I was looking at the big picture Sure, and it was not good, but I will say that my experience was very different than the rating. So I just want to, I don't want to caution, but I want to say, don't, don't believe everything you hear. I think that these communities are changing, ever changing. And we know Mm -hmm. the challenges right now are really in the workforce element and just getting enough help. So that's another problem, again, that we're not really going to talk about, but 
don't believe everything that you read because sometimes it, it pans out differently. That was my experience yeah. anyway. Did you tour? I didn't. We were in a rush. Okay. We were in a rush. And so I didn't. I felt like I had to accept what I was given yeah. and was horrified when I went online to re read the reviews. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I got there and I found them so helpful and caring and really working with me. So like I say, it, it could be it could be that you you don't want to stick your head in the sand, but yeah. in the same respect, be prepared to maybe be surprised or find something sure. different than what you expected. Sure. I think everybody, and I'm sure for you, you were looking at a lot of different things for mom and in the case of what her needs were. For everybody, it's different, right? If you're, if you're looking at a short-term rehab and you're considering for your loved one, let's just kind of go with the scenario that your loved one's going to be discharged from the hospital and let's say the case manager gives you three or four options. You do have the opportunity to tour. In the meantime, they're going to reach out to those rehabs and contact their admission department. And they're going to say, listen, we have, we'll just say, Betty Sue. Betty Sue is going to be discharged from Hospital A. She needs A, B, C, and D done. This is what our recommendations are. This is what the doctor's orders are. And she's going to be on this Medicare plan. Do you have a bed available? Okay, so there you don't have to worry about that dialogue from hospital to rehab. Let the case manager of the hospital communicate with the admissions team. So that's one thing, at least off your plate, that you have to do that. But if you have a chance to tour, I really recommend touring. And... You know, you have an idea of what your loved one is needing. You're having an idea they're they're coming off of a surgery. They're coming out of a fall and a fracture. They're coming out of this. Those are the things that I'm looking at most importantly. How is their therapy department? How is their nursing department? Maybe does your primary doctor go to this facility? Right? Yeah, that's a great question. Did she, in the case of mom, did, did you have any doctor affiliation at all? We did. We did. In, in her case, the doctor was was working with them to to discharge her and it it lasted a little longer i think than we expected because there were wounds that weren't healing so okay. that was kind of my next question like they they think you're going to be there for a week when does in this little tiny piece of the medicare pie <laughs> when do they decide that you know you've made it over to this rehab and i hope i'm not jumping ahead on no. you but now you've been transferred to rehab sure. and things don't go as quickly. You're not you're not healing up or when when do they decide that okay, it's time for you to leave rehab and go home? Well, again, I'm gonna defer to my one of my keywords again, being proactive. Let's say case for you, mom's in rehab, or for those listening in, you have loved one in rehab. And I can tell you on average, I can give you an average. Does that mean all all patients are going to be the same? No. But on average, you're going to be looking at 10 days, 14 days. In some cases, even a shorter stay. When I was a director over a number of rehabs many, many, many years ago, our average length of stay would be 97 to 98 days. Yeah. Using almost that full 100, right? Yes, yes. The full 100, the full 100 days of Medicare at that time. And every single facility did that. Every rehab facility. I don't care if they were jumping through, doing hula hoops and jumping 
doing cartwheels and everything was fine through therapy and they healed and they're doing great and whatever. We maximize those Medicare dollars. Right. Okay. But now is a different case. And we've gone far, far to the other end extremes as far as needs go and Medicare dollars available. So now you really have to plan on a loved one being there one week to two weeks max. That's generally on average that you see. What happens sometimes is that now in a case of a short-term rehab, you're going to have a social service or a social worker, okay? So I've been mentioning case manager in hospitals. You go to a short-term rehab, you ask for the social service person or the social worker handling mom, dad, spouse, whoever it was, whoever it is, and you want to talk to them. They have a care plan meeting with the entire team usually on a weekly basis that we'll discuss how Betty Sue is doing. How are they doing with therapy? How, let's say in the case of mom, you said mom had wounds, right? Mm -hmm. Hopefully, if you have a loved one that is needing wound care, you want to find that out. Do they have a wound care nurse? Do they have a wound care doctor? Do they have a doctor that is going there that specializes in wound care, okay? And how are their results of that? You know, those little things like that. Again, remember, choosing rehabs, <laughs> You'll see sometimes people make comments, I don't like the food. The food was cold. The laundry didn't come around enough. Not that those issues are not important. Those are hugely important. But I'm looking at the more of the medical needs. Right. Right? Medicare. The, the medical needs equaling Medicare dollars. Okay. So they're in, let's say they're in it for a week. After about a week, I often advise, and I'm advising everybody listening today, start to consider what is the next step after discharge, okay? Some people will go, that's out of their mind. Mom and dad have been there for a week. That is not long enough. Well, maybe hopefully they'll have a second week. Oh, boom, you got another week to consider. You can file. If it's after, let's say it's two weeks, okay, and they say we're going to discharge, we've done all that we can. And to your initial question, which was, what's the determining factor? Usually it's something based around that diagnosis is that, are they in for wound care? Are they in from a surgery, okay, as a post-surgery? How are they healing? We took another x-ray. The hip looks good. Therapy feels like they're doing everything they can, okay? Maybe they're working with occupational therapy, okay? Occupational therapy is, is sitting down with mom and dad and making the determination, okay, what is the house laid out? Right. Right. Is it a ranch? Can they navigate? Can they navigate? Can they reach up to those? Can they go up the steps? Can they reach for the cereal in the second, you know, in your cabinets? What can they do? What can't they do? Right. And once they made a determination, we've maximized. We've done all that we can for this patient. We're going to discharge them. Mm. But again, that clock, as you can see, is far faster. And they're going to be starting therapy very quickly, you know, uh, as oh, opposed yeah. to, oh, yeah. yeah. I want to say something else in regards to my experience, and that was that, you know, you're, you're panicked, and this is all very new, and you might find yourself agitated and angry or not feeling like the quote-unquote service is good enough. Yeah. And I, I learned some really, really important lessons during this time. And that saying that you you get more, is it more bears with honey or more bees with honey? <laughs> whatever it is, whatever that- I think it's bears. It should be bears, right? Because, you <laughs> I know- I honey bees. Right. Yeah. Needless to say, I learned that my attitude 
was pivotal in so many elements during her stay. And she had several. We're just talking about one of them. But my my first lesson was by coming in with a sunny attitude and being helpful to the staff, working with them, reminding them how much I appreciated them, and having that attitude in front of my own mother helped her get better, helped the staff help me more. I was able to get so much more out of the commu- the, the, the facility mm-hmm. than I was the first two days I was there and I was just angry. Mm-hmm. I was angry my mom was in this situation. I was angry that I, I couldn't live my normal life, which was work and kids and my home. And I had to put everything on hold to be a part of this. But I learned very quickly that everybody's human. We all need to be respected. And as soon as I like had this moment of, of, of what? Awareness. I, everything changed. Everything changed. I found my mom was getting better care. She was sitting up and more alert and ready for me. And it was just a game changer. So it's not just what's going on with the patient and the facility that they're in. It's also how you approach it. And, and, and COVID may have changed these elements a bit, right? Mm-hmm. Because all of a sudden we've got masks on. Mm-hmm. No one can see you smile. Mm-hmm. Big changer. Communication. Yeah, communication. Maybe not even being able to be in there. Now, things have opened up. So mm-hmm. the, the, the listeners that we're talking to today are probably going in and out of Hopefully. the rehab, this the skilled care, yeah. um, more easily than they were a year ago, sure. right? Sure, sure. With with mom before, if it's your first, let's say your first or second time in the hospital and she went to rehab, what was it like for her to be able to come home? And she, you're saying she came home with you. She did, right. So my mom lived with us. And so as with many folks, my mom at that point was in her early 80s. There were comorbidities. Okay. And what had been just a little forgetfulness now with this episode was exacerbated. Mm-hmm. So we began to realize that she really is having some decline in her memory. Sure. So when she came home, the skin healed up and she was better, but now we were noticing other issues. Okay. Other issues. And, you know, I can go on and on because this was a saga that probably lasted about nine years in my life that we were in and out. But next came the memory medications and the problems that they brought with them. And again, new situations that we had to deal with. But when she came home after her skin, she physically, she was okay. She didn't have a stroke. She didn't break anything. So her body was working fine. Now it was her mind that I had to contend with. But what was the dish? Do you remember what the discharge plans were from rehab to home? What did they recommend? Well, we did have somebody coming in because the wounds weren't complete. And okay. they, we did have someone coming in a couple times a week okay. just to check her wounds. Medical home health. Medical home health. Okay. Right. Okay. And just to clean them, help her clean them and make sure she was cleaning them properly. And then to put the medication on and they were loosely covered. And I was in on that just to make sure that 
I knew what to do if my mom was struggling. So yeah, it was it was pretty simple that time. Good. Pretty simple. Did they recommend home care at all? Not at that point. Okay. Because I was there. Okay. And really, you know, I yeah. was cooking and, and they were aware that I was very involved. You could help with the transfers if she needed help with the showers. And she didn't, but yes, yeah. I could. I could help dressing the wounds if yeah, needed. Yeah. And so they didn't really need to do anything further. One of the, the, one of the things that we often see, and I'm glad that, you know, you were there with today's day and people being busy and work and their lives and kids and everything similar to what you have, you had a rare situation scenario that mom was living with you. Yes. Okay. One of the things that we often see that I just want to talk today about is that we're going to go say, okay, they're, they're in the rehab. The rehab comes to you. They said, okay, we're going to discharge mom on Friday or Saturday. And you're going, oh my God, I have been driving my kids to and from school or activities. I've been working the job, doing all my other responsibilities as a husband, wife, whatever it may be, or spouse. Now we have to go to the next step, right? And which is home. If they're going to home, chances are, okay, that they're going to be assigned medical home health. Okay. Now, what I'm just kind of discuss a little bit of the differences between medical home health and home care. Okay. Now, the medical home health of it is going to be on a short-term basis after that discharge. Okay, so they discharge from hospital. We talked about that. They go to short-term rehab. They're in short-term rehab, let's say two weeks. Now they're going home. Now they're going to set up medical home health. That's going to be typically, it's going to be the hospital's medical home health. So whatever hospital that loved one discharged from, it's going to be that medical home health company is going to be following why? Because they want us still to get a piece of that pie, by the way. So that's, <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up. So Medicare is still paying. For the short, for the, me, for the medical home health. Medical yes. home health. Yes. Now, if you don't need medical home health and it's just home care, mm -hmm. does Medicare pay for that? No. No. And, and so this is what we'll see. They'll, they'll go home with medical home health. Now, typically you're going to see a nurse, like you were saying for mom, right? She needed wound care. So you had a nurse come in, do the eval, do the assessment. That's generally probably the next day after discharge or within 48 hours, right. hopefully, right? Nurse will come out, okay, following the doctor's orders. The meds changed. They're going to be receiving maybe, in many cases, they might have still receiving physical and occupational therapy at home. PTOT will probably come in the house, we'll say, three times a week, maybe Monday, Wednesday, Friday maybe Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, depending on their schedule. And each session should be about 45 minutes to an hour. Could be a little less, could be a little more, right? Average length of stay, you know, again, people that are listening in today, you might have different situations that happen. Sometimes it could be three weeks. Sometimes it could be upwards to five to six weeks. You generally don't see it too much longer than that because, again, they have to continuously qualify that patient that they're still needing those services mm -hmm. covered by Medicare. Right. Okay. So you have the medical home health covered by Medicare. Now you have many times what we see, and I do work now with home care services. Okay. If they're discharging from rehab to home, many times the social service, social worker will recommend home care, non-medical. We often use the term caregiver services, okay? Because 
99.8% of the time we see there's a confusion between medical home health and home care services. Again, we use the word caregiver with home care. That is generally covered by no Medicare at all. That's a private pay service. Private pay. Private pay. Okay. In some cases, I'm thankful to work with a company that we have a contract with the VA. We're a preferred provider by the VA. And in many cases, whether it's a veteran or a spouse of veteran, and I won't get too deep in the weeds on that, but sometimes... Another, another episode. Yes, another episode. That <laughs> yeah, definitely is another episode. That can sometimes cover, sometimes we see 12 to 15 hours a week okay. of caregiving services. But hopefully, if they're going to need caregiving services, that's private pay, and they're going to recommend you'll generally find the first week, 24 hours a day. That could be live-in or that could be 24-7 hourly services. Well, especially if mom or dad lives alone. Correct. Right? If yep. they're alone. And and let me say this, that I was pretty young when this happened to my mom. I was in my 40s. You're maybe, still in your 40s. Mm, yes. Maybe, maybe late 40s, early 50s. I, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on that right now. But a lot of my clients, people that I work with, and I bet our listeners... If mom is 90, if Betty Sue is 90, yeah. you might be 70, 68. Sure. And bringing mom home could be daunting. It might be too much. You can't help her transfer. Maybe you're not strong enough or don't have enough stamina or maybe you have health issues of your own. So yep. there, therein lies another issue of what what is the, you know, what are we going to do? Yeah. and. And then, of course, home care, yep. if it's not non-medical, if it's home care mm -hmm. and there is no veteran benefit, mm -hmm. then it can get pretty expensive be, to, yeah. to get the care you need. And I know people really do this dance. And, and mm -hmm. again, for another episode, yeah. we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what does it look like if you want to move your parents in or what, what are those next steps. But for the purpose of where we are today really a lot that needs to be thought about, right? We need to think about what, you know, what, how are we going to navigate this? Yeah. Right? Because one, when home health comes in and yeah. Medicare is still paying, when do they determine that the services are going to end? It's not necessarily when you, <laughs> right, the adult child or the spouse think mom is ready for services to end, sure. when is it? Yeah, well, they're going to make that determination. They're going to make that determination based on how the outcomes and how they're going and their, how nursing's reporting, what therapy's reporting on, and make the determination. My father, I won't say one of the few because I'm sure many have had loved ones that have made the decision, but I remember placing my father, which was out of state back in Massachusetts in short-term rehab, and he decided after about 10 days, I'm fine. I'm going to go home. I don't need any more therapy services, even though I was talking with the social worker and the team back home, back in Massachusetts at the time, that, yeah, he still could benefit from another week or two of therapy services, and we recommend that. My dad just decided that's it. I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm cured. I'm ready to go home. <laughs> and that's great. It's really great when somebody 
feels that independent, whether I, I don't know how that panned out for him. Well, yes, I, I, I would have preferred him staying another week. Let's yeah. go that way. But, you know, dad was of strong mind and, and will and yeah, made the decision to, to go home. But at least he did agree to some caregiving services. That was the plus side to it. He did agree to some caregiving services. Well, and you were so far away. Yeah. And I think that is the case for many of our listeners. I know that my mom lived with me here. Yeah. But prior to that, she was on the East Coast too. So she was in Connecticut. Oh, well, and there you it go. was a move before before any of her real health issues came into play to get her closer to us because she knew that that I was really going to be instrumental in in helping her through mm-hmm. the later stages of her life and and so it was true. Mm-hmm. I was. But let's let's fast forward. I'll just give an example. Fast forwarding, my mom's memory issues did get get to a point where we really we needed to make a decision for her. So my mom didn't have the funds, which was one of the reasons that she did move in with us. So sure. she didn't have the funds to pay for a community, an independent living community, or even assisted living with her mild dementia, she didn't have the money for that. So we did apply for Medicaid, and she went into what Illinois and many states know as supportive living, which was a beautiful thing, a beautiful thing. She had lived with us for a number of years, quite a number of years, and that is not an easy thing to do. And we'll talk about that in another episode because I want... I know a lot of people toy with it. Should I bring mom home mm-hmm. or dad home or, you know, what are my alternatives? And we need to talk about that because it's a really big decision. Mm-hmm. But supportive living ended up being a really, really nice choice for her okay. and a segue. It got me into the world of senior living, which is why you and I are together today That's right. That's right. to really begin to learn what is out there and what does it look like to age and how do we find the right path, mm-hmm. whether it's through an episode, a hospital stay, mm-hmm. cognitive impairment, what, whatever comes our way, what, what is the path that we can take? What's it going to cost? What does it look like? Who's making decisions? You know, having your, there, there's so many things, aren't there, Tim? Mm-hmm. I mean, as I say this, like my mind is flooded with all the different aspects and things that I bet our listeners yeah deal with and want to know. Sure. Yeah. Being, again, I, I'll use this scenario pre-COVID. Sometimes I would either participate, whether it was a vendor or as a performer at a lot of these senior fairs, right? Jury Lane and Oakbrook would have them or wherever the suburbs or the city would have them. And it's a senior fair. And most of the times it's seniors coming through and they'll come and collect information. Your rates could be if it's private pay, could be information about your short-term rehab, whatever your service is, chances are 99, unfortunately, but it's true, 99% of them, we're going to be proactive. You're responding. You're responding. You're reacting to that next step. So hopefully, you know, everybody listening in today might've got a little bit of a taste of at least here's a little bit of the process. Again, not everything is the same for everybody. But there are options out there. And again, being proactive and looking. And one thing I want to throw in and in the, you know, one of our other shows that, as uh, Lisa mentioned, we'll be talking about, which is 
you know, maybe choosing senior communities, whether it's a support of living or assisted living or memory care, is that don't use Google reviews, okay? Everybody just Google, Google. We Google everything, right? And understandably so. But, it, you know, there's communities out there that ask their vendors. I have been at, contacted by at least half a dozen in the last month to write a review about their facility or their community. What the heck do I know about their communities for right. our services other than coming in and entertaining them for an hour or two, right? Right, right. So if you go on some of the websites, again, I'll mention medicare.gov, G-O-V, or looking at reviews of, you know, if you wanted to go on and you are Googling, look at prior patients or prior family members. Those are the things that you want to comment. And again, making the determination, what are you looking for? What are you needing? And what are those comments based on? right? And what is being provided there? I think that's the key to that, you know? Wow. So if you just look at a star ranking or this one's only got two Google reviews that are positive, whatever, I don't necessarily take that, you know, to right. heart. Right. You know, you know, use your eyes and ears. Well, this has been a lot of information. And yep. honestly, it is the tip of the iceberg. Yes, it is. And while many of us are dealing with a loved one, helping someone who is maybe in a crisis reacting, mm -hmm. right? Or beginning to look at what options we have when we do need it. We ourselves are learning for ourselves down the road, mm -hmm. right? Because right. We're, we're pulling up quick and yeah. it's good to have information. And that's what this, this podcast is designed for, right? That's to give right. our listeners information not just about the things that get dropped into their bucket that they didn't expect, mm -hmm. right? But all kinds of things. We're excited to talk about what, what you aspire to do as well, because aging is just not about the scary things and hospital stays. It's also about living life. So right. I'm excited that we're on this journey mm -hmm. and what we're going to get to bring to our listeners down the road. So signing off today, yeah. what do you think? Yeah, we're glad everybody joined us today. We get a, we're excited. We're going to have a lot of great guests coming down the road as well for you. So, And if you want to write in, we're at... What are we at? I don't know. All of a sudden, <laughs> I forgot what our what our website is, but we're at... Is it bucket-drop.com? I think so. And you can tell us what's on your bucket list yeah. or what's been dropped in your bucket. Yeah. We should probably know what our website is. Well... We, we'll drop it in when we put it out on the podcast. I'm sure we'll have it out there for sure. And we're going to be posting it everywhere, I know. And we talked about YouTube as well. So we'll yep. have all that information out there. Well, have a great day. Take care, everybody. <laughs>